But if you haven't been with us, let me just catch you up a little bit, what we've been talking about. If you're just joining us for the first time, the past couple of Sundays uh, we've been talking about and sharing with our gathering about the holiness of God. And there are two instances in the scriptures where we're given windows, little windows into heaven where we can peek in and see what's happening. And what we see happening there in both instances, we see the inhabitants of heaven praising God. And they're saying this certain thing. They're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And they're saying this repeatedly. Now, they could say God is good, good, good. Or they could say God is love, love, love. But they don't. Instead, they're saying God is holy repeatedly. In fact, it's recorded that they never stop saying this. And God doesn't get tired of it. He doesn't say, okay, fellas, it's time to move on to the second verse and talk about one of my other attributes. He didn't tell them to stop. He likes it. He likes being recognized as a holy God. Now, I've shared with you what holy is. It can mean having, it could mean having to do with what is sacred or what is divine. But it can also, when we're thinking of God and how He desires Himself to be known, holy means set apart or different. Set apart or different. It can describe God's otherworldliness. How much He is unlike us. So if God is holy, 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 it means He is really, really, really different than we are. I know the Bible says and God says that we are made in His image. But He is different. He is much different than us. God is not like us. And in the light of God's holiness, if God is good, that means it is like a goodness that we have never experienced before. It is different. It is incomparable. If God is love, then in His holiness, His love is so otherworldly that we cannot even fathom it, fathom it because it is so unlike our puny, conditional love that we have for one another. Holiness is an attribute of God that permeates all other attributes of God. Now, I've shared with you that we usually experience God's holiness in shock or in awe. And we saw two characters in God's Word, Isaiah and Peter, how they were in shock when they experienced God's holiness and when they ran into it. And they were made aware of their sin, their faults, their fallen nature. And they were in such a shock. And like Isaiah, sometimes when we bump into God's holiness, we're like Him and we cry out and we say, I'm undone. I'm unraveling like a ball of string. I'm falling apart because I'm in your presence and your holiness is just your otherworldliness, your set-apartness, your differentness just makes me so aware of my humanness and, and how you've made me and how you are my God and I am your created thing. I am a creature. It makes us aware of this. Like Peter, we also, when he ran into Jesus and, and Jesus brought in this miraculous catch and Peter responded and he just said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Peter either wanted him to get away or he wanted to run from Jesus. And sometimes we want to do that too. We want to get away or run away from God when we run into His holiness. But you know what? One of the other responses that people have to God's holiness is awe. We, we talked about how God is magnificent. And in the splendor of His holiness, the whole earth is filled with His glory. You look around and you see the created things and you just go, wow, 
That's amazing. I stand in awe of that. You look to the heavens, and the Bible says that the heavens declare and pour forth speech about God's holiness and the splendor and His mightiness. And we look into the universe, how it's 46 billion miles, light years, not miles, 46 billion light years in every direction. And we go, God calls out every single star by name and knows them. And yet, God is not just the big of, of God of the big, God of the macro, but He's also God of the micro, of the small. And He also knows that when a sparrow falls, He knows about how many hairs are in your head. He knows when you sit or when you rise. So God is just not a big God, but He's a God who knows even the smallest details about you and about your life. Every individual, all 6.2 billion of us on this planet. He invites us, though, not to run from Him. He invites us to come to Him. He doesn't want us to be afraid. In the definition of holy, that God is not like us, I shared with you last week how we sometimes have held onto an image of God that is false. Maybe an image of God that we had as, as in, our, in our childhood, and we've just clung onto it even though we've grown up. And in that false image, sometimes it's, it's something that we've created from our imagination. And what we've done is we just make God a glorified man. But God is not a glorified man. He is not like us. He is holy, holy, holy. God has revealed Himself through creation. He has revealed Himself through the prophets. He has revealed Himself through His written, written Word. And he, the Father has now revealed Himself through Jesus Christ, the Son. And He has now revealed Himself through the Holy Spirit. And God wants us to know Him for who He says He is. Not by the inventions of our own imaginations, of who we want God to be. He wants us to know Him truly as He is. And we want to worship God for who He truly is. One of the interesting aspects of God's attributes, and one of the things that He's revealed about Himself, is that, and it's connected to His holiness, is that He says that He is a jealous God. He says He is jealous. In fact, there's an instance when the Lord says to Moses, do not worship any other God, for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. Now, there's, there's a name of God that you don't hear too often in our, in our worship songs, you know. You, you know, you don't, You are King of kings, You are Lord of lords, You are mighty God who is jealous. And we just don't sing about that much. It's kind of a strange thing to us. We think it's odd. We think it's weird. Because, I mean, we go, what is this? How can God be jealous? I mean, what is behind this God is jealous stuff? I mean, if God is good, He is perfect, He is pure, He is holy, then how is it that the Scriptures can say that, that He's jealous? I mean, we, we look in Galatians and in and, and, and a letter to, to a church there that the Apostle Paul wrote. And he says to them, he says, here are the acts of the sinful nature. And he lists a, a whole bunch of things, you know, like orgies and drunkenness and all kinds of things. And, and along with it, he throws in there jealousy. So what? what's the deal? Jealousy, and I'll add just a little bit to what Sue has said here. Jealousy isn't wanting what someone else has. That's coveting. Jealousy is actually wanting to be in the place of someone else. You want to be them. 
you want to be them. You, you remember back to junior high, middle school? I know there's some terrible memories for some of us. But, but remember back in how you saw jealousy in others and in yourself? I mean, it was bad stuff. I mean, the girls, whoo, it was, it was nasty. One girl would be jealous of another girl, wanted to be her, wanted to be in her place. And so what she would do, she'd pretend to be this unsuspecting girl's friend. And she'd go and just pump all kinds of personal secret information from her. And then she'd go and she would blab it to the whole school with all this malice. Oh, it was just so twisted. Oh, it was just terrible. Terrible jealousy. Now the guys, guys are just as bad, just as bad, but we, we, it's played off a little easier. It doesn't look so nasty with us. But the way it would happen was like this. You would see it in guys usually in concerning with a position, with sports or a job. You know, somebody else would get that position or that job that you wanted, and you would, you would say, you know what, I'm the one who best deserved that position, not them. I should be the one in that place right now. Man, that makes me mad. <clears throat> You'd think you're more qualified, you know? Jealousy is an attitude of the heart that can lead to a whole lot of terrible actions. Sometimes it's an attitude that comes upon us because of insecurity, but not always. Sometimes it's pride. Sometimes it's pride. So how is it that God who is perfect, without sin, has no needs, and is good, how can he be jealous? Well, God has a holy, a holy jealousy, a jealousy that is unlike us, unlike us. It's set apart. It's different. And here's the deal. Same definition, though. He wants to be in the place, his rightful place, the position where we have put others or other things in his place. God as creator made us and knows how we are wired. He knows what is best for us. And He wants what is be best for us. But here's the deal. He is what is best for us. And He knows it. He knows it. When we put another person in God's place, whether it's a matter of trust, dependency, worship, or adoration, or fulfillment, it ends up being destructive. You know, some of you depend on another person like they're God. You depend on them in such a way to fulfill all your needs and is placing an incredible burden on that person who is just merely a human. They cannot do what God does. You can't do that. You can't put that on another person. That's a horrible thing to do to somebody else. To put them in God's place. God is the one. That's His rightful place. When we put another thing in God's place, whether it's wealth, ideals, created things, or, or some other form of materialism, it ends up being destructive to us. Some of you are bowing down in submission to things. Some of you bow down in submission to plants. Did you know that? You know the cocoa bean, cocoa bean plant? Get coke from that? Some of you bow down to that. You're bowing down to a plant. Marijuana, it's a plant, mixed pot, whatever you want to call it. Some of you are bowing down to that. You're in submission to a plant. Something that God said that we were to be in dominion over and we're to be stewards over. Instead, you've reversed it and you've made yourself submissive, submissive to a plant. It's destructive. It's not the way it's supposed to be. You put something else in God's place. We're not to submit to anything but to God. We submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. But God is the one who's supposed to be in that place. It drives God crazy. 
with a holy jealousy. He hates seeing it. He hates seeing it in us. And when you put things in his place, and that will end up being destructive, he knows that he is the one who should be in that place. But let me tell you that God's jealousy isn't helter-skelter. It isn't just wacko crazy. It's focused on two things. His jealousy is focused on two things. His jealousy is focused on you, and his jealousy is focused on his name. God has this thing about his name. Most, you know, and you can read about it in the Ten Commandments. He talks about not misusing his name and how his name is special and he's a jealous God. But the most, when you look in the Bible, the most of the great miraculous things that are recorded in the Bible were done in such a way that a man couldn't take credit for it. They were done in such a way that no one would mistake the fact that no one but God could have done this miraculous thing. The credit went to his name. And instead of people saying, yo, David, Gideon, Joshua, Moses, uh, Joshua, whoever you are, you're awesome. Wow. Instead of people doing that, instead they would say, you know what, David, Gideon, fellas, your God is awesome. And that's what happened. Credit went where credit was due. Now some of you, now some of you have a family name, family name that you wear and maybe carries respect or honor. But I want you to know that your name doesn't mean diddly compared to God and to His name. Your name may carry some weight around Asheville, but I want to tell you, it's weak and powerless next to God's name. You see, God says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Your name can't do that. It won't. You just don't got it in you. Your name ain't that powerful. God's name is more important than your name. In fact, there's going to be a day in the future where His name is the only name that matters. The prophet Zechariah, whose words from God were recorded in the Old Testament of, the, of your Bible, said one day, the Lord will be king over the whole earth. On that day, there will be one Lord and His name the only name. You see, your name is going to be forgotten. But as the Apostle Paul wrote, he said, God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave Him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Is your name that important? I don't think so. It's not. God knows the greatness and the power of His name, and He is not going to share that with another. He won't. And mainly because there's no other who is able to. You couldn't take it. You wouldn't be able to carry it. The power is too great. He is a big, mighty, magnificent, holy God. God isn't bashful. He isn't bashful about declaring who He is. But it really pleases Him when people, His creation, proclaims the greatness of His name. He likes it. He likes it when we proclaim the splendor of who He is, the splendor of His holiness. And this brings us to the second thing that God is jealous over. He's jealous over you. He's focused His holy jealousy on you. God desires you to set Him apart, to set Him apart as Lord. And here's the question that goes along with this that maybe explains what, what does that mean to set Christ apart as Lord. Here's the question. Will you acknowledge Him 
as a holy God. Acknowledge Him as being like no other in your life. And because He is like no other, give Him precedence in everything in your life. In setting apart Christ as Lord, it isn't taking a portion of your life and asking God to bless it. Oh God, here's my business. Will you please bless it? And then you got the rest of your life over here in a little container. You know, see, when God, when you set Him apart as Lord, as holy in your life, God comes into the center, not the periphery of your life. And when He's in the center of your life, He messes with everything. He messes with your sleeping, your eating, your working, your playing, your exercising, your thinking, your loving, all your relationships. He messes with everything. When He comes into the center of your life, when you set Him apart, holy, set Him apart as Lord of your life. And really, the question is, what part of your life wouldn't be better with Christ ruling over it? Really? You say, well, I don't want to give this part to Him because, man, hey, He might bless it. <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't make sense. But yet we do that. We do that. Because we got something else there. We put something else in His place. And this is the rightful place that the Lord in His holiness is jealous for. When a person acknowledges the Lord as holy or set apart in their life, here's what happens. God shows Himself holy through you to the people all around you. And here's the deal. God's holiness isn't about you being the focus. It's about God being the focus. You know, people who still think it's all about them view holiness in a different way. They take pride in the fact that they've set themselves apart. That they, that they haven't soiled themselves with the world. But people who have set Jesus Christ apart as Lord of their lives aren't concerned about their own pristineness. And I think I just made up that word. That's alright. They're more concerned what those people are more concerned about is that people recognize the holy God who has forever altered their lives. That's when you allow God's holiness to shine through you and people recognize God as a holy God. God describes His desire in this matter when He spoke to the Israelites and He said this through the prophet Ezekiel. He said, I will show the holiness of My great name which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them, then the nations will know that I am the Lord and I, when I show myself holy through you before their eyes. You know, this thought is echoed throughout the Scriptures and by the apostles as they cry out later, be holy just as He who called you is holy. 1 Peter 1.15 God desires you and your life. He desires all of it. He is jealous for you and He's jealous for His name. He desires a people who will cry out the words of Isaiah in our day. Cry out, yes, Lord, walking in the ways of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and your renown are the desire of our hearts. God wants a people who cry that out from the depths of who they are. Now, here are the two pictures I told you about where we're heading to. And I'm going to share these two pictures with you, and we're going to go into more time of extended worship. Here's two pictures of how we can respond to God's holy jealousy. One is a picture of, of a husband and a wife. God tells, um, He told one of His prophets, Prophet Hosea, He told him to go out and find and marry an unfaithful woman. 
And so Hosea does it. He marries a woman who then proceeds to, to become a prostitute and abandons him. God says to Hosea, this is a picture of how God's people are with me. They're not solely devoted to me. And then God tells Hosea, go find your unfaithful wife and bring her back to you and love her like I love my people. So Hosea, what he actually has to do, he has to go and buy his wife back like a prostitute. Buys her back. And then he says to her, be faithful to me because I'm going to live with you all the days of my life. And God says, this is the way I am with my people. I'm going to love you, even in your unfaithfulness. But what I desire is that you'll stay with me forever because I'm going to, I want to be with you all your days. I want to live with you forever. Second picture is of a great king. And a great king riding on a white horse. And like the kings of old, there are men who have sworn their allegiance to this king. And they will raise their swords only to him and for him when he commands. And they will stay their swords and put them away when he says peace. And they have pledged their lives to fight for his kingdom. And they live to please their king for he has won their loyalty by rescuing them from the kingdom of darkness. The king has given them places in his kingdom. And he also pledges his life to his men and his women. Who is the great king? On the side of his thigh are tattooed the words, King of kings, Lord of lords. He is the great king. From the first picture of the husband and wife, here's what I want to ask you in our response. Will you not only choose the Lord as your companion for life, but will you choose Him above all others? Will you choose Him above all others? If you know you have been unfaithful to Him, will you repent? Which means to turn around, to stop doing your own thing, being your own man, walking your own way, and to turn around and walk and do things the Lord's way. Will you repent and forsake your own pursuits and forsake everyone else and be faithful only to Him? Now for the second picture, I'd like to ask you this, and, and I know that maybe the sex, second picture helps maybe some of the men in our crowd because the husband-wife thing kind of throws us off because we're men. But uh, I'll just say this and ask this of you. Will you choose to live to please your king and fight for his kingdom, walking away from the pursuit of your own kingdom? Some of us, we're not praying your kingdom come. We've been praying my kingdom come. We do that as men. It's easy for us to do. And I want to say, will you not only choose the King, Jesus, and set Him apart as your King, but will you also forsake your own kingdom to pursue His kingdom and only follow Him? If you know you've been unfaithful to the King, will you repent? Turn away from what you've been doing and turn to follow Him and forsake your own pursuits and lift your sword only for the King. That's what we're asking. During our worship, there's going to be a time um, where you could express the repentance that might be in your heart that's hidden there that nobody can see but God. And if you want to, this is, this is a voluntary thing. 
but up at the front while the worship is playing, the music is playing, as we're singing, you can come up here. And up here there's a pitcher and a basin. And some of our men are going to be up here and they're going to be pouring that water over your hands to wash as a sign of repentance. To say, I've, I've been unfaithful. I haven't been true to the King. There have been others. I haven't forsaken others to be true to my husband or to be true to my King. And today I, wanna, I just want to say, I want to wash that all away. And I'm forsaking all that to choose you, Lord, to choose you as my holy God, to set you apart as Lord. And so you can come and do that and someone will, after you wash your hands, dry your hands, and it's just a thing to be prayerful in. And as you do that, there's also a card up here at the front. And it's the lyrics to an old song, a really old song that's been sung in the church for a while, but it expresses what we're saying to God. And you can take this card, take it with you, you could put your name on it or whatever, anything else you want to add you want to say to the Lord. But here are the words that are on this card. It says, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of Thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for Thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my King. Take my lips and let them be filled with the messages from Thee. Take my silver, take my gold, not a mite will I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as you choose. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine. Own it. It shall be thy, thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord. I pour it at your feet, its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. Here am I, all of me. Take my life. It's all for Thee. And that's what we're expressing to God today.